Hey everyone, welcome to Teacher Quit Talk, the early episodes. I'm Fraz and I'm here to offer a warning. You are about to enter into an episode before we had microphones, a producer, or a solid format. I'm not saying that our early episodes lack value. They all hold a very special place in our hearts and they laid the foundation for what Teacher Quit Talk has become today. However, we believe that by starting with our latest releases, you'll get the best representation of the pod. Thank you for your understanding and patience with these early episodes and the tech hiccups and thank you for being part of our incredible community. We appreciate your support and we'll continue striving to bring you the best listening experience possible. So without further ado, bye-bye, have fun, we love you, here we go. M-S-W Media. Hi, I'm Frances Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of The Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay. Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Teacher Quit Talk. This is Fraz. This is Redacted. And we have another friend here with us. Okay, we have, one, we should include that. Two, we have another friend here with us today, Fraz, who is our friend. On TikTok, she's Miss McCourt. She went viral in 2020 for being the most adorable, most interactive kindergarten teacher of all time. And she's here with us today. Hello, everybody. Oh, (laughs) thank you for having me. Also, this is very irrelevant, but the fact that you guys both taught kindergarten, I feel like that meme of like Steve, what's his name, Steve Buscemi, where he's like, hello, fellow kids. She was like on the news, though. She's like very cool. You're very cool. You were on the news for what? Something good, I hope. I was. Let's see. Um, I got this random DM from somebody in Canada one time and it was like them like, hey, you're on the news in Canada. And then Ellen got wind of it. I was interviewed by like her staff and they showed my video on Ellen. I didn't get on there, but that's okay. I can still say I kind of got on there before it was over. I mean, have you heard the recent rumors about Ellen? Who knows? Maybe you saved yourself from some drama. I heard she's Maybe I did. It was still shown and she like had a little like blurb about it and made a joke about it, hoping it's not a real swimming class. So I was like, okay, she kind of talked to me. She did talk to you. So what was the OG video? That got you basically the headliner of Ellen. This was like the end of 2020, like when it was first shut down, where there was like no Mm -hmm. rules for anything. And we were all just having a whole bunch of fun. You mean before they forced children to sit in front of Zoom for 10 hours a day? Yes, before it was miserable and torture. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was, I had the random idea to dress up for the theme of the week, every video or like every week, one week would be oceans, one week would be astronauts or whatever. I would film my videos in random outfits that matched with the theme. Some of them I made out of like tin foil for the astronaut and like a bowl on my head. I was a safari leader, like you name it. So the original video (laughs) is me in the middle of doing this is filming a video for my kids. And I'm 
belly down on a chair, like pretending to swim. I have my roommates like wetsuit on, which apparently was on inside out. Didn't know at the time. I don't wear wetsuits. I don't know. This kindergarten teacher's wetsuit is inside out. Take away her certification. This is who we want teaching America's youth. <laughs> I'm I'm recalling this now. You pulled it from the depth. I remember seeing this video and I remember seeing that and comparing it to my like I'd be on Instagram live and I'd be like, read chapter three. If you have questions, Google it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like just trying to think of stupid ways to like be silly with that. And at the time it was like, oh, it's gonna be quick, just a few weeks for all of us. We were in that bliss of like, wow, this is nice. We're working from home, there's no rules, we can log in whenever we want to. We were making whipped coffee, watching Tiger King. Whipped coffee, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I miss it. I know, honestly, it was such a time. And imagine if we could go back to that time and we were like, hey, it's downhill from here. I have videos of myself crying from this era being like, I miss everything. And I want to like stitch them and be like, you dumbass. <laughs> you're in the peak. You're like, you're great. Lay down, watch Love Island. Yeah, roll out of bed at 9 a.m. and go teach five minutes later, then cry about it. And then cry because I miss them, so. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. It's like a core COVID memory for me of like your video. It's a positive memory for me. I know we were still going through some chaos, but. That was the positive times. And as we know, you are no longer in the classroom. Why did you end up leaving? What happened? Yeah, what happened? I mean, I think my biggest reason of why I ended up leaving, if I can tie it all in one category, was administration and support, aka lack thereof. And then right at the very end, it was this whole meeting of like, we have to do it for the kids. What's your purpose was brought up again. And all of us were just sitting there like, this is our purpose. The whole reason we're doing all these lessons and we're, I'm dressing up in all these costumes is for my kids. I haven't lost any purpose. None of us have. I was so blessed to work with like the most amazing teachers I've honestly ever seen ever. Like I'm, it's just, it blows my mind how amazing we all work together. And every single person, I'm not even kidding, would always go above and beyond it, exactly what I'm doing. Like I was the crazy person doing costumes. There was other people doing so many other clubs and like just so many other things. And the fact that that was brought up of like, just do it for the kids. That, that narrative is just extremely dangerous. And that was what started to get me to shut down and like, I am. That's literally the only reason all of us are like scrambling to make this work already as it is with all these changes left and right. And it it was just what started to trigger my thought process of like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. <laughs> I think administrators really think that they're saying something groundbreaking when they say like, find your why, do it for the kids. Like, do you, did you really walk in here and think that none of us had thought about that today? Like you really <laughs> thought you were going to say that and I was going to be like, that is just what I needed to hear. Thank you. I feel so much better. Like, has that ever happened? Have that, has that ever occurred in a faculty meeting? No, never. And that's the frustrating part. It's like, that's, that's, I keep repeating myself, but that is the only reason any of us were waking up and struggling through that every single second of the day is because, especially in the little babies, but for all grades, but those little babies were struggling too. Those families behind the screen with them were struggling. Like that was the only reason we were doing that was for them. That was the whole point of us making that through. The summer before our 2021 school year started, I was on the fence of returning. I was like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Like it's so rough. Like distance learning was awful. And then we had hybrid and it was just like, 
even more awful than awful. It was the hardest thing that any of us have ha ever had to do. We like were thrown right into it. Our district changed like the format, the, the Friday night before our spring break started. And we had spent that whole week before um, planning for what was going to be after spring break. And then the Friday night before break started, they were like, just kidding. Hybrid learning, I feel like is just so emblematic of the way decisions get made where you're like, all right, out of everything you went with that. Yeah. Um, so that was like a huge red flag where I started to internally think at the end of 2021, like I might not be able to make it another year. My biggest umbrella was just lack of support, especially when it came to student behaviors, especially with our little babies. I mean, you know, in kinder, Fraz, it's like, you have to document, document, document. You immediately start taking notes, like literally the first day of school, just so you can start this paper trail for so many of them. And it got to the point where all they were asking for is documentation. So I had like it on a PowerPoint presentation with photos. Like I had so much stuff. Wait, you had documentation of PowerPoint presentation with photos and they wouldn't help you? I taught 11th grade and I tried to be good about documenting. I think in high school, it's very hit or miss a lot of times, depending on the school but we could go back and look at all previous documentation. And I must say kindergarten always slayed. Like kindergarten teachers always had number one documentation. Like you, the, I felt like the further you get along, the less information there was. Like by 11th grade, it would be like a couple teacher comments and like one student work example, but kindergarten it would be like pages, pages, pages. And I loved showing my students their stuff. I would be like, why did you get a C in social studies in first grade? What happened there? <laughs> and I must say, I just applaud my early elementary people for your meticulous documentation. And I know sometimes it feels like it's for no reason, but later down the line, there might be a high school teacher reading the lovely paragraph you wrote, and it might give them some insight to help this now 17 year old. At the very least, they'll see a cute picture of them from kindergarten from a PowerPoint presentation that a psycho teacher like myself made. So, my version of documentation is I would text my administrators and be like, happened again. Like, you went above and beyond. You had. You had a whole slide deck, like it's a corporate presentation. Yes, I'm a little and they overboard. still were like, <laughs> they, no, this is perfect. And the fact that they still were like, actually, no, I still don't believe it. got you. up to the point you could have a video. Like, it was a meeting with like the special education director, like the superintendent, like everyone was involved in this meeting at one point. And I was like, I have never in a million years in the past 10 years of teaching have had to go this high up on the chain to uh, just mm -hmm. to get anything. It was to a point where this parent unfortunately was also not um present with what's going like what reality is I think is the best way to put that so it was a lot of miscommunication principals were saying one thing not telling me about it telling this parent all of these things and then the parent would come ask me about it and I had no idea so that escalated her it got to the point where she had a protest sign outside of my classroom was screaming at the top of her lungs all of the like F-bombs, everything she can possibly think of to slander my name as pickup and drop-off was happening. So like kids and families are walking by, dropping their kids off to school. I hear this woman screaming. I take a peek outside. She has a literal like protest sign outside protesting me. Kayla, that happened to me. Wait, Stop. sorry. I'm sorry. I have never 
heard of somebody else going through that. It was me. Moments. It was me. She was outside of my room during drop off, outside of the gate one time with her sign saying, there are bullies in room one. It was my first year of teaching. And the oh. dad one day pushed physically through the door and pushed my kindergartners out of the way and started screaming. And I was like, sir, you can yell at me, but you cannot touch the five-year-olds. Like, hello. Don't even, so many teachers that came running into my room were like, let's lock your door. We like pulled my blinds closed. I had like, I was on the phone with the union immediately. Like this, it was insane. Oh <laughs> was my God. After the student had attacked me in front of, of course, in front of the class. So all of my other babies are terrified. Yeah. I had scratches running up and down my arm. And then after that, we had just evacuated my kids. I was out on the playground for at least 30 minutes. And then the administrator comes down. Finally, she told me he, she left the student with the janitor, who is also the father of one of my current students. No. So he's not only employee mode, but he is dad mode in my no. Mm-hmm. And then she ends up towering over me and screaming at me. <laughs> no! I removed myself from every meeting after that. And this was with a kindergarten class still, right? Kindergarten, yes. People do not believe that this happens. This is a very, like, I'm like- This is yeah. normal. This happened in multiple of my kindergarten classrooms. The parent was just an added layer and the yeah. awful administration and lack of support was another layer. So if that's what's going yeah. on, you're not getting support now, it's only going to get worse. That's where I get emotional is because I'm like, these are my babies. Like I treat them like they're my own little ducklings when they're in front of me. So the fact that like, I, I couldn't help this kid. I had nothing to help him. I couldn't help the other 20 something little eyeballs looking at me. It was just really bad all around. And that was, I'm one case that was all over our school. Like, I do understand that it's not necessarily the school's fault because of like shortages and like blah, 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 blah. I, I really loved TK and I love kindergarten, but another huge reason of why I left TK, you kind of like, mm -hmm. we would write our own curriculum and we would do whatever we wanted. And it was amazing. Mm -hmm. There's free play and there's actual things that are perfect for kids that age. So when I went into distance learning that like first, like that March, 2020, when everyone just was like, woo, this is super exciting and fun. Of course we were rewriting everything, but in TK in general, um, it's, there's a, there are obviously preschool curriculums and stuff, but there's like that fine line between preschool and kindergarten. There's still not a whole bunch that's right in the middle for that TK moment. And so it's a lot of writing your own and pulling from those preschool standards, pulling from those kindergarten standards. And you kind of just get to like puzzle piece it together yourself. Um, and the teacher that I was working really closely with, she like, we would work so hard on like, she had this whole um, mapped out like yearly lesson plan with the theme. They would say, okay, great. We're talking about fish this week or oceans. And then you just got to plan like whatever you wanted with that. And that's kind of how she had it set up when I walked into TK and we just kept continuing to grow that from there and it was like it was the best bubble to be in because you're pulling from both ends of it and you're getting to kind of mesh it together according to like what the flow of your class is going like are they more on the preschool side of things are they more on the kindergarten side of things you can really kind of just balance that and just fill it in with all the topics that were in there and just make it flow really easily so it was a ton of fun I I love TK <laughs> that's so awesome when you have a really rock star teacher who has kind of established everything for you. I always tell new teachers, don't reinvent the wheel. Like, see what's already in place 
And then when you get more comfortable, you can kind of start to be like, oh, you know, let me put my own spin on it. Like I can cut that out. I can switch these two. It's when you have a solid starting place like that, it's just the best. But the second kindergarten hits, it's like, er, now they're scholars and now they're doing this. And it's like, they're five. They are literally five. But everything, as you know, Raz, is like one-on-one testing. So every single test, every single math test, every single like benchmark assessment was one-on-one and they would take forever. Then we had to do the computer as well. Last year, my kids did I ready. And I was like, what did everybody get? Like, I'm looking at my data, <laughs> sitting with my baby at home. Like, yeah, and you're like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Or, oh, that's horrifying. Did I teach them anything at all? <laughs> Wait, do we all have eye ready trauma? Yes. I do. Those graphs, once I start seeing that red, my heart will palpitate. Oh, yeah. Do it three times. Well, I think it was only twice in kindergarten. I taught early Head Start before I taught high school. And the thing that I really, one of the few things I miss about it is we had so much freedom in lesson planning. For every week I had like a lesson plan document and the topic was picked for me. So the week's topic might be like transportation, fruit, something like that. And all it had was like, I had to pick like two books, one art activity, one manipulative activity. It just had the categories. And other than that, it was completely up to us. Even as just a sub, I got to pick because I was a long-term sub there. That was why I like really was loving TK is because we had so much freedom to do what was right for kids, honestly. And Mm -hmm. they got like mandatory 45 minutes of free play every day. And like all of those like preschool guidelines applied. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like, it's still kind of not very developed, I would say, as or well-known. So principals even don't really know what to do with it. So they're like, oh, wow, you're doing great. Look at this cute art project. You're like, yeah, aren't they cute? You're like, yeah, I am doing a great job. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So that was why it was hard for me to, to go back into kinder because I knew in my heart, I was like, I'm going to have to do all of these tests. This doesn't feel good for me. It doesn't feel good for what I know is best for them. The thing I miss the most is, of course, their sweet little faces. And I really had a great group of parents excluding the one I was talking about but (laughs) I mean even to her it's just like she was going through it too I mean it's nobody's fault really except for the school at that point we were all Mm -hmm. doing everything we possibly could and nothing was happening so but at the same time I also am super aware that when these things are happening and they're telling us to do all of this and us and us and us and putting it in the classroom that it's obviously coming from higher up and that their hands are also tied, but, and it just like keeps trickling up, but then the trickle of up always falls right into the teacher's lap of, well, it's on you and what you do with those kids, regardless of where it comes from or what they can and cannot do because of who said what, where up in the pipeline, it's, it's, it always just falls on us. So it's, it's not unseen that that is the case but all across everywhere it's that's what everyone is saying I mean and it always has been like that but I feel like it's definitely it's just been amplified since COVID and everything of like we can't do this now we can't do that now and all of these things I could we all know what we could get into with talking about all that stuff so it's 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 an impossible cycle it's like oh we blame the up and then the up blames the down and it just like cycles and swings back and forth between the two and it, it just affects the kids negatively regardless of whose fault it is at that point. I also think like in the conversation of like whose fault it is and where this is coming from, I've seen it play out within the school system where that conversation is just a window to no one taking accountability, like to leaders of district level, state level, be like, well, this is just how it is. This is how it's been. It's like, 
no, we can like try a little better. We can do a little harder. So I think it's easy for us to like, especially I'm sure this happens in other countries, but in the U.S. to fall into like this doom and gloom trap. And so I hope that like any administrators listening to this and any like leaders listening to this, like you have the power to advocate for these things. And like, I know you're in the smush between teachers and between the government. So like, it's up to you to voice it and to help us advocate for these change. Because if every single person at every single level, at the top, the middle, the teachers, everyone is just saying, well, this is how it is. Like, it's never going to get better. So it's going to take like teachers like yourself and administrators willing to go in those state meetings and be like, I don't think that's that realistic to do it this way. Absolutely. And they have also have to have some sort of squad for themselves at a certain point. Like I know there's collaboration and things that go on amongst principals all the time too. And I I know they talk about it as much as we talk about it as teachers. So I wish there was more of a push from that middle, I guess that you technically are that middle piece to like push that up higher for us because we are all teachers are all screaming, (laughs) screaming as loudly as possible. And then some, I just feel like it, like it halts because of what that side is saying here and it's smushed back like you said back into the middle it's so hard when you're in kindergarten and you have a student who you know deserves services they deserve extra help the parents need to know how to advocate for their child but everything is such a freaking mess because in kindergarten like the, the paper trail starts with us but usually my students wouldn't get the help they needed until second grade Because first grade would be the year they would finally say, okay, now we have enough data we can assess. Patterns or whatnot. And I, my first year teaching, I taught in an ED special ed classroom. So I see that very vividly and very clearly. And I know exactly what to do. It's not like for lack of experience. A lot of people listening, especially if they're not in the elementary classroom, might not know what ED means. For example, my first thought was the eating disorder classroom. And I was like, that's probably not right. And my husband always thinks of the other dysfunction. So, so, <laughs> so it's like, not that that classroom, really, they have classes for that. Oh so for those of you, for those of you who are listening, ED is emotional disturbance. It's an umbrella term for the mental disorders that we see in adulthood that often take root in childhood. So they can be a wide variety of things, things like anxiety disorders, bipolar disorders, conduct disorders, eating disorders, OCD, psychotic disorders. I mean, there's just, it's a huge umbrella. There's a lot of different characteristics, a lot of different treatments. That's what we call It's just like, once you get to that level, it needs to be in a different setting or with more supports. And I wasn't getting any of that. Not even me. It's really, it's obviously for the kid, especially in kinder. I call it like the try it period, the try it year. Like just, oh, just a little bit longer. Oh, try this, try that. It's, It's sad. All we have to do is like bite our tongue, unless it's something super, super extreme. That's obviously affecting. No, but even when it is, if somebody gives me one more fucking behavior tracker with stickers, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm like, listen, this child is trying to jump off of the balcony. And they're like, have you tried a sticker and a timer? And I'm just like, funny thing too, is like all my principles like new too. I would, I would do all of those things. It's basically that like, oh, try a behavior chart, try this, check in, check out. It's like, whatever daily reports home, like those kinds of things. And so I immediately, I mean, you know, honestly, the first day of school, it really, you know, who is going to need extra support, 
who is going to need extra love? Like who's going to need that extra attention? Who's going to talk like, you know, your kids already. Um, and so I just like, I would automatically just start doing all of those things. Like, Oh, yep. This is what I tried. Like what's the next step? Like you can see in my beautiful PowerPoint notes. So if you go to slide four B, there's actually a photo of me trying the sticker chart and you can see the child is running away from the sticker chart. Climbing up the fence, trying to elope like every other yeah. I've told you about this kid running uh-huh. away. And I feel like it goes back to what you were saying about feeling like the students are our children when they're in that classroom. And like, we so deeply want what's best for them. And sometimes it feels like you're just screaming into the void. It's so yeah. frustrating when you have so many babies who you see need all these different things and you're oh. just like, damn it, if we just had that resource, if we just had one extra teacher, you can see the solutions. That makes it all the harder to go home at night and lay in bed and think about them because it is. Also, one thing I want to touch on that I find very interesting, because both of you all with your kindergarten experience have really echoed like how difficult it is to get a kid's services because it's like, oh, well, they, they just got here. Like we're still checking them out. But I taught 11th grade and I had the same problem, but in the opposite way, because they were like, well, they've made it this far. If no one flagged it before then, what difference are you like? How is it different for you compared to the the other a million teachers? And I'm like, okay, maybe no one got it to the point of an evaluation. And what would always happen to me, I had a student who... I'm not a reading expert. I have a history background, not an education background. So take this with a grain of salt. But she was in 11th grade. And in my uneducated opinion, she was about on like a third or fourth grade reading and writing level. Um, And so I flagged it to our special education department that would provide services and things like that. And I said like, hey, I'm just noticing this. She's super behind in reading and writing. I'm really concerned. Like, you know, she needs to pass certain tests to graduate and she hasn't. I think this is why. And what they said is, Oh, well, she was getting tested because she was an English as a second language student in elementary school. So those tests were fine. So we don't need to retest. And the last time they took it, she was in sixth grade. What? And I was like, yeah, if a sixth grader is reading and writing like a fourth grader, that's not the most jarring thing in the world that you would feel the need to dig a ton further. And I was like, can we retest her? And the answer was always no, because she was passing most of her classes. Yeah. And this reminds me of, there's something called a hundred repetitions. It's something that I read in PD once. I think the version that I read was by Bruce Harrison, but I'm sure somebody listening will correct me if I'm wrong. Um, (laughs) It's the idea that as teachers, you know, we pass the torch. You have a student who needs a little extra love in some area and as your as the kindergarten teacher you do all you can but maybe you don't see a lot of progress in kindergarten so you pass the torch to the first grade teacher educators and trusted adults just don't give up on this child and not viewing things as a failure but you know a useful repetition again and again and again then maybe by the time they're in college they've hit the hundredth repetition and they have this dramatic change in their life and their mental health or whatever it is but what we're seeing and what is so frustrating is (laughs) roadblock 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 yes and it's like then you see those children who get up to middle school and they're left in the dust and 
something that was frustrating for me in third grade last year was talking to the kindergarten teachers of some of my students who, because of COVID, hadn't seen the inside of a classroom since first grade. They need so much support and I know that they can get it. I know what they need, but we don't have the resources. We don't have the time. We don't have the teachers. So here in third grade, I'm saying they need to be retained. They cannot write a sentence and they are going into fourth grade and the standardized test they take in fourth grade determines if they will or will not be accepted into honors classes in middle school. So they're fucked, for lack of a better word, if they don't perform, so to speak, on these tests. But how can they? And then what you're hearing is, but the social stigma of retaining them would be horrifying. Well, you know what? In kindergarten, when I said this student is small enough to be retained very like seamlessly, no one would know, it wouldn't have a social impact. Well, we don't want to do that in kindergarten because let's just try, let's just keep trying these things. And again, another child slips through the cracks. And then they get to high school where we had a 13% pass rate for the graduation exam. And then they're like, what? Whoa, how'd that happen? I've taught pretty much every elementary grade level in my experience, but I taught third grade and I had this student and I will never forget like printing the report card for this student and like seeing the pie graph of absenteeism of this student mm -hmm. and two thirds of the days of school, this student was gone. Couldn't read, couldn't write, didn't know letters, like early kindergarten performance level and was absent pretty much the whole year. And I still could not retain. I couldn't, I wasn't allowed. I was at a school where they said that it was our fault if our students weren't coming to class. That if we were truly making a learning environment worth coming to, that they would come to school. They can't drive, they're fine. Drive themselves there, like, okay, yeah. No, we, <laughs> we would get dinged on our performance review if we had high absenteeism in our classroom. Yeah, the school I taught at had a big attendance issue on an average day, only 80% of our students were there. And teaching high school, it's a very different dynamic, especially with 11th grade. I was like, listen, we have halfway decent public transportation. We have a bus, whatever's going on at home. Like you are the leader of your own life. It's your education. I want you to try and get here. But I was told that I needed to provide attendance incentives for the children. And if we would get dinged for lack of attendance, unless you had documented an attendance incentive program, and that you had reached out to the parents three plus times about the attendance. The only time I actually participated, if kids had perfect attendance, I got them one of those little pumpkins from Trader Joe's that are like 70 cents. <laughs> Again, it's like they, they give us these things down the pipeline that we have to do, like where our hands are tied to these random procedures that come out of nowhere. And again, it just falls right into our lap instead of getting to the issue at hand, which is the supports that are missing for this kid. Where I work, <laughs> the bus for kids is not free. They do not have a public school bus to take them to school. It costs money. Gosh, what? So when they would get after us about attendance, I was like, hey, who's paying? It's not me. It no. is not me. Whoa. Yeah, who's gonna pay for that? Like, okay, great, then you pay for their bus. <laughs> and I had one student, so this is, I loved teaching high school because the kids, I was like, y'all are gonna save the world. He, and he, granted, disclaimer, he should not have been put in this position, obviously, but he had five younger siblings and he would go to like the grocery store or Costco and buy snacks and sell them at a markup illegally at school 
to pay for bus money for his siblings and then turned it into a pyramid scheme. I mean, Love it. that kid, honestly, I would have done the same. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Like, honestly, kids are so creative and they come up with the most brilliant things in times of need. So, I wish administration would catch on. <laughs> so maybe Ron DeSantis was right that he's putting business first in Florida. That's what he meant. He meant children fundraising their bus fare. A little child labor never hurt anyone, says Ron DeSantis. So... I mean, is there anything that you feel would make you want to go back? Or is it still just way too soon coming off of all of this that you're just not sure yet? Or like, where are you? What do you think? I think it's still so fresh that I I do miss it. I will say I miss the kids the most. And every time I have my moments of like, oh, did I, could I have stuck it out for one more year? It's because I'm thinking of my kids, but I think it would have to take a lot. Honestly, I would love to see like in my dream teacher bubble world, um, like student support services and like family mental health advocates, even in kindergarten, like that's what our babies are seeing, especially with these pandemic babies rolling in soon. Um, and the kids who were in it and affected by distance learning. Side note, at the end of 2021, like when it was like hybrid season, um, when the district was like, oh, we're going to be back to full in person next year and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't know if I can handle that. I spent hours and hours on this side project, creating a position for myself, basically for my school. The whole talk all year was, oh, our kids are going to need social emotional support. We're coming back into the classroom for the first time in a year and a half and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, great. I will offer to be the TK second, like social emotional support, go push into classrooms once a week, be that like constant person. I have a schedule and I also have those high flyers. I'm like, okay, I have my check-in checkouts with these four kids or whatever it is. And was told that it was brought to the board and it never was. Nuh-uh. The whole ILT team, like the leadership team was like, this is amazing. We totally need this. In my exit interview, when I resigned, I spoke with the superintendent. I was actually felt really blessed that I had that opportunity. He sat with me for like an hour on Zoom and like listened to all my reasons. And when I brought that up, he had no idea what I was talking about. It was never even brought to their attention. So yeah. And it never went up to the people I was told it would go up to. They we're pretty much very surprised that I was even bringing it up and how extensive, because again, another PowerPoint presentation, I had full-blown notes of all, all these conversations um, and the people it was supposed to be presented in front of, um, it never happened. Side note, teachers, if you want something to happen, don't trust anyone, even if you trust them 100% to do it, because they also have so many things on their plate, like you do have to do it yourself. And I, I should have taken that extra step of actually reaching out myself to the higher ups to actually present it myself like I offered to. Um, but I was, I definitely was naive in that fact that I actually, I listened to what I was told that would happen and it didn't. Um, and I just didn't push for it. Obviously there was millions of other things going on that I was dealing with at the same time, but um, at the same time, it was something that I really cared about creating this like social emotional position for these kids. that I know we obviously desperately needed. And then to hear that it just never trickled up that way. And then after my resignation was announced and everything, and the union was checking in with me, I did come to find out, unfortunately, that um, it would have been approved. The union representative, the union president actually ended up talking to whoever, I don't even know who it was at that point. Um, But 
she came back and told me, I was like, I almost wish that I didn't know that because it's just a harder pill to swallow. And I like what you mentioned about, um, even if you have a hundred percent trust in someone, faith in someone, like making sure it goes up. And one thing that I want to go back to teaching since I've been in corporate, cause I've learned a lot of skills about how to advocate for yourself and how to interact with those people. So if any teachers are listening to this and finding yourself in a similar circumstance and you're not sure how to escalate it up a really easy way is when pitching something like this to your admin and asking them saying, if it's all right with you, I can email that person and just CC you and keep you in loop on all the conversations. So to kind of like volunteer yourself to own the communication aspect of it. And a lot of times your admin will be thankful. Be like, great, another thing I don't have to think about. True, <laughs> so true. I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. Let's just say that. I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. And like I said, there's understandably so much other things that are going on outside of my own stuff. And the other school and everything that was going on all around. So I do kind of have a little piece that understands, but the fact that it was just like a general lie, really just like, like I should have really just trusted my gut and did it myself, but you know, you live and you learn. (laughs) That's the other thing that I find interesting is I feel like, so I know I don't want to like be like, Oh, we love superintendents because we know that's not the vibes we've created here, but I feel like a lot of times (laughs) the people at the top don't realize how badly things are running. Like a lot of times people at the top will have halfway decent ideas and intentions and they're, they can't be everywhere at one time. They don't realize how bad it's getting spread out. But I also want to hear a little bit about like when you resigned, how that was reacted to, like the timing, like what happened there? People were dropping like flies left and right at our school. It was December and I think already three people had quit things were off their rocker and then I pretty much waited until the last second it was like May 16th or something of this year that I told my administration and it was already after troves of people at my school alone have left but I kind of brought up my program quote-unquote program Mm -hmm. that I created again and was like this I'm disappointed that this didn't happen and I wasn't given a say in the grade level I was going to teach we had a TK position open and I wasn't even talked to about it, like offered it. And like, I just didn't get support at all that year from them anyway. So I was like, well, because of A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way to Z, this is, I have to decide to resign. And it was a fairly quick conversation. I think administration knew it was coming. I just don't think they actually think I would pull the plug. And I Mm -hmm. honestly didn't think I would have the gusto to do it either. I really took a lot to actually say the words out loud. That was really weird for me. It sounds crazy. I wanted to be a teacher since I was in like fifth grade. I was like, this is my forever career. I'm never, ever, I would always make fun of the grumpy teachers, like the grumpy veteran teachers. I'm like, I'm never going to be like that. And here I am today, like completely resigned from the profession altogether. So, Well, okay. So one thing I think is admirable though, is I really think there's a lot of value in knowing when to leave and like not letting yourself get to the point that you are grumpy with the kids t- taking it out on them. Cause I completely see how easy it is to get there. Cause some days I would be like, damn, I shouldn't be so mean to y'all. Let me tone it down. Like, <laughs> it's not your fault. Not it's not your fault. Yeah. <laughs> So I think there is something admirable to say, like, we always are like, oh, sticking it out, sticking to the end, but like exit on a high note, exit on a note where you're like, those kids, I did the best I could. And I feel like going forward, it's not getting better. So that's how I felt. And I had the privilege of looping with most of my kids. And it was a big deciding factor of why I didn't quit the year before that I was like, you know what? 
I would love to redo this with them. I would actually get to see them in person for the year. Like I can totally turn this around. I was really, really hopeful. Um, and then the year transpired how it did. So that was how the cookie crumbles of <laughs> really crumbled into ash. It's like those bullshit keto cookies that taste like sand. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I had guilt for such a long time of even getting myself to just resign out loud. Cause in my head mm -hmm. I resigned, but I still couldn't, I waited till the last second to say it out loud to make, if it makes you feel better. I never said it out loud. I wrote it on a piece of paper and handed it to him and then just sat there. My favorite is like the card that says, sorry for your loss. And it's like, I'm your loss. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh. And now I'm, my mental health has done a complete flip. I feel like there's a huge weight lifted. Granted, it was a, a ton of work. I was like hiding in like our guided reading room, doing interviews as like one of my other like really close teacher friends was watching my kids on the playground. Like it was stressful. So tell us about your, your job hunting process. If you would like to share where you are now, like how'd you manage that while being in the classroom? I think I was just so mentally checked out of where I presently was because I wasn't getting anything I needed for my kids that I was like, I just need anything at this point. So I, you know, I did the normal, like LinkedIn, Indeed, wherever else you apply on jobs. Like I did all of that. And then I really lucked out because my brother, he works in IT um, and he was randomly talking to a coworker and his coworker was like, well, has she tried out this website? So shout out to Y Combinator because so, how, how is she spelling that? It's what honestly saved me. It's it basically they start up companies. And so as I was sifting through, I was like, oh, Class Dojo is a Y Combinator company. And I had no clue that this even existed. The hardest part for me, honestly, was rewriting my resume. It took me, I'm not kidding, months. I watched probably an embarrassing amount of YouTube videos of like how to transfer teacher lingo into a tech world lingo, just because we do, we do so much yeah. matches. It just, it's like, instead of saying student, it's client, or it's just like a little mm -hmm. switch like that. It started to get my wheels turning in a different headspace. Seriously, since I was a kid, that's like, that's all my brain has been focused towards is this one career and this one bubble. And so now I'm working at LitNerd. What are you doing now? Tell us about your new role, how you found it, what you do. Do you hate it? Do you love it? So I actually am obsessed with the position I ended up landing. I did so much research. Once I found this company through Y Combinator, I was like stalking them heavily. Um, I pretty much applied to almost every position that would make sense to apply for, for them that they had posted and um, definitely ended up getting a reach out finally from the CEO and um, went through the interview process and all of those things. And so I am officially working at LitNerd, which is a company that brings books to life. We write diverse children's books. And then we have like live studio actors, choreographers, producers, everything that turns kind of like a Netflix meets education curriculum. So, you know, with all my costumes and things, I was like, oh, if you guys need any extra costumes, I got like a million and a half. So they, they were like, please don't offer that. You're going to get sucked into it. But... <laughs> 
<laughs> it's really cool. And it kind of is just like right in my realm of my weirdness and the, my support for the kids. And it kind of just, it's like a Netflix for education. They're turning the actual diverse books that they write um, specifically with the characters and they bring them to life with live actors and turn them into episode series, which is a really exciting thing to see inside of classrooms. So I'm really excited about it. I'm doing like their business development side and curriculum specialist side of things. So that's been really fun to kind of dive into and my expertise and like, that's what I was doing in the classroom, but now I'm just on a larger scale, which was the goal in the first place. So it's, it's really cool to see all of this in action behind the scenes. And you see like the green screen and the CGI and like all of these things are happening. We have like our little reels of the previews of the little episodes that are coming up. So it's, it's just really cool. It's amazing to see that things like that are coming up the pipeline or down the pipeline or however you want to say it. Like positive things are trickling in to education all around us. It's it's just a matter of time until things are kind of evening out a little bit, I think, to really see the see the good again, I think. But it feels really nice to to know that I'm helping on that larger scale like I wanted to and reaching a whole bunch of schools and districts across the country, which is really exciting. Yeah, it's so cool that like it's so in line with what you were doing, like going back <laughs> to your first video in 2020 that we talked about in the beginning of the episode, like it's like it couldn't be a more like perfect fit, it seems. It doesn't even feel real, to be honest, because of that exact reason. I think that's why I was so adamant about like this. I have to get this job. Like I am so obsessed with everything that is even like how is this real really I'm just like still in shock at the point at the moment that it still exists and it's it's just been really fun to kind of see all the behind the scenes of how it actually happens and all the ed tech side of things so it's it's exciting I'm really happy <laughs> I love that and I love how you said you know it's your it's your type of weird like it, it uses your weirdness like I feel like we can all harness our weird like that yes. is our power that's what sets you apart from everyone else the weirder the better Find the weirdest thing you can about yourself and then put it on Craigslist and monetize it. Exactly. Here I am. Take it or leave it, everybody. Or, you know, put it on TikTok. Or put it on TikTok like my sister and here we are because of it. So, yeah, it's the world is crazy. Things are wild. Um, You know, we are we're on an upslope. I have the dream of in five years from now, everything is going to be like this whole magical dreamland in the teacher world. So we'll see what happens. I I'm still trying to stay hopeful, especially now that I can see a little bit outside of my, like honed in on like dark bubble that it was outside of my students. I mean, that is honestly the hardest part is just missing those sweet babies every day. And like, I just, that's the hardest part for me, but I, I, it's fun seeing like the videos of the kids interacting now. And it's just on a, such a larger scale. So that's Y'all hire? I know, right? <laughs> that is so fun. It's that's really awesome. cool. And I'm their sixth employee, which is super crazy. You got in on the correct level. So I work for a company that used to be a startup, but now is like a big ass publicly traded company. And everyone is like, oh, I miss the startup days. We didn't have to be on time. They let us work from home. And now now they're like, our investors are mad. Answer your emails. Like, oh no. Yeah, no, I'm in a, it's such a cool spot to be in because I thrive in chaos, honestly. I mean, I think that's why it was great at teaching. <laughs> we all kind of have to be a little crazy and work really well under pressure and in chaos. So it's kind okay. of the same vibe. I already feel like I've been working for them forever and it's only been like two weeks. 
two and a half weeks or something. First day starting, it was like immediate support from the direct CEO herself, full support, full like welcome. It's just like a completely different world. It's honestly such a dream and it's so cheesy, but I really, you just have to keep going. Honestly, it was really hard. And I was down to the wire. I was telling Fraz earlier, like I was down to like my last week of my teacher pay. That was like spread out from the summer. I'm like, well, I'm going to have $0 coming in in about three days. So let's see. And I'm not kidding. Like a week before that was going to run out, I got hired at this job. So it was a lot of hard work, but I was adamant about this company. Once I found them, I got really excited. Now that I am where I am, I'm like, oh, maybe all of those things happened on purpose. And like, I really did have to go through all of that in order to get here. Mm -hmm. I think it's so easy to get stuck in your bubble, especially when all you're doing is waking up and trying to get through it. And that's where I was. Like, it wasn't good for me. It wasn't good for the kids. And I didn't want to feel like more. So it definitely pushed me, but, and now I'm super happy. (laughs) That's the dream. That's amazing. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. I'm super happy for me too. And I I hope that if anyone's out there, like really struggling that you do what you got to do. I mean, even in the teacher world, it's I, I feel so far away from it already and it's only been like a couple months, but I think since I haven't physically walked onto even any kind of school campus, let alone my past campus, it's just, it's really easy for me to delete it, which is kind of sad at the same time because you really are so closed in your bubble at, in the moment. It feels like the only thing it really does. Therapy couldn't do that for me last year. Like everything. I pulled out all of the cards to try <laughs> and it's just like, you know what? I'm beating a dead horse. And I I know like my whole purpose of creating this imaginary position, attempting to expand my reach is just so I can reach more kids. Like I had been in the classroom for 10 years. I really wanted to affect and help out more kids on a larger scale. And if they weren't going to do it for me and then I'm going to do it somewhere else. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And it's so cool how your skills and your knowledge that you developed throughout your career as a teacher are so transferable, like you said, to what you're doing now. And the company that you're working for now is just so cool. And like, I don't know, I'm just really happy for you. I'm like inspired by this. I'm like, okay, I'm going to quit my job and work for an education startup. Let's do it. There's so many cool ones. There's like I don't know. There's a lot. It's fun, honestly, just poking around there. It's really cool just to see what is up and coming. So I hope that other people use Y Combinator. It was just outside of what a majority of people are doing to search for jobs. It can be so intimidating to leave the classroom as a teacher. Like, I really, really, really respect people like yourself that have wanted to be a teacher since fifth grade and then were able to make that hard choice because I was not the type of person that always knew I wanted to be a teacher. Um, I came to it like later in college after I like developed a love for history is what led me to teaching. So it did, it was definitely hard, but it didn't feel like I was giving up a whole part of myself. And I know teachers who are like, I just have no idea what I would do. Like I, there's nothing I would do because I think a lot of people don't realize like, look around, think about how many schools there are. This is a huge industry. There's so many companies that make content, do services, all these things that are education adjacent that are out there. We're like Fraz said, there's so many transferable skills that we have. Mm-hmm. And just knowing that there's so much out there that's up and coming that can actually help students is like the whole mm-hmm. goal and really is the whole goal of teaching in, in the first place. But when you're not getting that support or that opportunity in the classroom, 
which is where it should be happening, but it's not. <laughs> it's it's nice knowing that I'm still contributing somehow to that because that's, I mean, that's still where my heart is. It's it's weird not being around my babies every day, but it's nice knowing that I'm working for somebody that's really working towards making education a better and more exciting and engaging place for kids. Who knows what the world holds? I have this like dream teacher fantasy bubble that in like five years, education is going to be revolutionized. We're all going to come back with our new skill set from our other jobs. It's going to be amazing. We're all going to make a million dollars a year. It'll be great. Class size is 15. Uh-huh. <laughs> Y'all's mouth to God's ears. That sounds great. <laughs> Sir? Sir? Yeah. Knock, knock. Excuse me. <laughs> we have notes. We have yeah. notes. We're at the front of the White House. We're like, hello. I don't know if you've been receiving my emails. <laughs> Jill. 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 I've, I've left many voicemails. Um, Listen to this podcast, Jill, for the third time. God, it's so great. Yeah, it's a complete 180, but I feel great. And living my life and going to try it out for a while, see how it goes. I don't see a change happening anytime soon. There's been enough of that recently, but I'm super happy where I am. I mean, I feel like as teachers, we spend so much time telling our students, you know, follow your passions and your interests. And then we kind of forget about ourselves sometimes. You're doing it. It feels like a new a new era. It really does. <laughs> and needless to say, I haven't told anyone on social media yet because I it took me long enough to say it out loud. But when you reached out, I was like, oh my gosh, this might be the way because I don't know how else to say it. I'm so awkward. And now I'm like, well, I'm not going to have cute little, cute little nugget videos anymore of my cute little babies. But, you know, a new era, new content. I just hope that people are able to ask for help because I, I know that there's so many teachers especially newbies that are scared to ask for help. I just hope that you have at least one teacher or one admin or somebody because you can't do it by yourself. It's literally impossible. If you're still struggling in it right now, ask for help from at least one person because it makes a big difference when you have support, even when it's a little bit. So that's my my little strand of hope to kind of dangle at the end. <laughs> I feel like in a couple weeks, a teacher's going to be listening to this on their planning period and be like, wait, you guys are my help. Yeah, exactly. Like my laughable TikToks are what help. Yeah. <laughs> Which honestly true, because I don't know what I would have done without like laughing my ass off on TikTok for the past two years. <laughs> mm -hmm. Teacher TikTok has been my happy place. So I mean, there's some weird sides of that too. But for the most part, I feel like I found like, I obviously found you guys and it's it has such positive moments and it's silly moments and it's just like a good laugh when you kind of just need to get it out so lean on teacher tiktok if you haven't if you don't have any support in your in, in front of you even if you don't want to make teacher tiktoks even just watching other people's teacher tiktok i was on teacher tiktok for over a year before i ever posted anything like i was user 972 whatever just en enjoying the hell out of y'all enjoying the hell out of fries I was like, look at kindergarten, look at kindergarten go. So even if you don't want to post the content, I feel like there's still just such camaraderie on social media that I feel like it's generally positive. Obviously the internet is full of people and some people are terrible, but. But for the most part, especially, I mean, the ones you interact with, the ones you watch are the ones that you're going to be surrounded by. We all know that at this point. So I would make a point to find my people. I'm like, where are my weirdos at? Where like the people who are going to do whatever they can for the kids, where are my funny people at? And it's where are the real people at? Cause both of you are super real too. And it's not all the fluff but there's, it's a good balance because you can, you can get into a dark hole of teacher side of things. 
Um, or you can be on like the really, really happy side of things. And that's also, it can be annoying when you're not in a good space to, to accept that too. So you just got to find your, your side of TikTok really, if that's, if that's your jam. <laughs> totally, totally. Oh, I love you so much. Thank I love you guys. This has been so fun. Thank you for being our first guest. Yes, thank you for having me. Do you want to tell people where they can find you? Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, there's not much on there right now because I just admitted that I haven't posted much since I quit. But <laughs> when I do become more present again on social media, both my Instagram and TikTok are Miss McCourt, M-S dot McCourt. Um, on TikTok and on Instagram. I think I even have a Facebook page, maybe. You do. ms.mccourt with two T's at the end. <laughs> Things we did in 2020 that were like a thing because everyone was bored. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, Ellen watched my video. I need a Facebook page immediately. Immediately. <laughs> I know the demographic, the Ellen. <laughs> I know my audience. I have one too for the same reason. <laughs> Oh my gosh, thank you so much for hanging out with us. I am leaving our conversation feeling so hopeful and inspired by you. And I'm just so grateful that you took time with us today. It was the highlight of my week. So thank you guys seriously so much for listening and for spreading this around. Everyone's got a story and I think it's really important that it's shared. So thank you guys for doing what you're doing. It's amazing. <laughs> thank you. All right, you guys, episode three, that was it. But I do have to tell you, we didn't release one or two. So the things you were yelling at us for in episode one and two, oh, we didn't, we didn't put it into effect again. Third time's a charm, baby. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll get around to it. Don't worry. <laughs> All right, y'all. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye. Have a good one. Just as a disclaimer, because I am someone who is actively teaching, everything on this podcast is my personal opinion and does not reflect my district, my state, my employer, my students, or my admin. Everything on this podcast was recorded on personal time, on personal equipment, and is a completely separate endeavor from my school district. Yeah, leave her alone. <laughs> <laughs>